Reading is from John 15, one, verses 1 to 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can the bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, then I in you. You will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear my much fruit, showing, them, showing yourselves to be my disciple. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be, may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one, no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends for everything that I've learned from my father and I have made known to you. Now, what is it that makes you a Christian? What is it that makes any person a Christian? And faced with a, a question uh, like that, what is a Christian? We usually think in evangelistic terms. Only to answer that question, we say something like, a Christian is someone who has had his or her sins forgiven. A Christian is someone who has trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, a Christian is someone, and the list go, would go on. Now, those are not wrong answers. They're not even bad answers. But one major limitation is that a lot of those answers are in the past tense. We answer in a way that talks about something that happened maybe years ago. How would we describe our Christian lives today? What makes us Christian today? A Christian is someone who remains or abides in the Lord Jesus Christ. A Christian is someone who has spiritual life that produces in them fruit that brings glory to God. Now you see, God wants our lives to deliver today. God is looking for a daily harvest of fruit today. So what I want us to think about this evening is how that harvest for God is produced in our lives. So when we're trying to answer the question, what is a Christian? We're, we want a present answer. What, what does it mean for me to say today that I am a Christian? Yes, I can go back many years ago when I first trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, when I first knew that my sins were forgiven, 
Um, but I want us to think about, well, what's happening right now that is Christian in our lives? First of all, what do we mean by fruit in our lives? It's obviously not literal fruit like oranges or apples, blackberries or strawberries. We're not expecting to sprout those as Christians. We maybe think of fruit as the blessing of seeing new converse one. What we are intended to understand here in this chapter by fruit in our lives is in fact every indication of grace in our lives as a result of us depending upon the Lord Jesus Christ, as a result of us being obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every product of the life of faith is fruit. And Paul gives us a list of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5 where he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now in John chapter 15, the fruit that is spoken about will include Obviously, the obedience to the commands that the Lord Jesus Christ gives us. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. He says in verse 10. We also experience the joy that the Lord Jesus Christ has. In verse 11, I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So the very joy that the Lord Jesus Christ has within him, that same joy is within us. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Then, of course, we have love for other Christians. In verse 12, Jesus said, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Think of the extent of that love. Love each other as I have loved you. This kind of fruit is really the evidence of the reality of the new life that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. How many times have you heard it said of a new Christian? You can really see a change in her. She's different. That difference that you see and talk about is the fruit of the new life in Christ. We're used to seeing it in our children as they grow. You see them developing. You go and hold out your fingers and they hold on to your fingers and soon you'll be able to pull back and they hold on. And you can see their strength developing. You can see that they recognize you by the little smile that they have on their face. You can see that there is development there. Now, while we may not be experts in child development, we can all recognize progress and change in the growth of a young baby. We could say that the fruits of physical and mental development, that they are something that we can be aware of. We can recognize it 
uh, we can see their response. We can see communication. We can see movement, the first smile, the first words, the first steps. In the same way, we can get a feel for how our Christian friends are developing. Maybe interest in Bible study, evidence of a prayer life, some evidence of care and love for others, an evident love for God and for the Lord Jesus Christ. We all have a feel for what is meant by fruit in our lives in the sense in which it is spoken of here in John chapter 15. Now, of course, there are some hard questions to be asked about how that fruit gets produced and how do we go on producing more fruit throughout our lives. The first prerequisite for producing the fruit of a Christian life is very obvious. We need to have had a Christian birth. If there is no spiritual birth, if we are not born again, there is not going to be fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's spoken by by the Lord Jesus Christ to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, speaking of the new birth. Unless there is that spiritual birth, there is not going to be spiritual growth. Christ has died on the cross. His death was the penalty and the punishment for sins. And unless our sins have been forgiven, then we cannot produce anything in our lives that would be pleasing to God. Those who are living in the flesh, they cannot please God. Indeed, we would not even have the desire to want to please God. But moving on from the spiritual birth, assuming that that has taken place in our lives, how do we then grow? Let us remind ourselves of what this Christian growth and bearing fruit is all about. We get the mission statement, if you want to call it that, in verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. There's the goal. For my Father's glory, for God's glory, our our spiritual development is not about us improving our self-image. It's not about us achieving self-satisfaction or finding self-fulfillment. Its goal is bringing glory to God. That ought to be our objective. There might be many many benefits and, and byproducts for us to enjoy, but the primary motivation is this, that we might produce much fruit, that that spiritual improvement, that that should bring glory to God. The quest for more fruit in our lives can easily turn sour on us, though. We're always in danger of turning a good thing into a bad thing. Very quickly, we can begin to sum up the content of Christian living by having a list of rules and regulations. We each can have a little bit of that kind of mentality within us. And it's called legalism. It is wrong to think of the Old Testament as being legalism 
and to think of the New Testament as grace. The believers in the Old Testament and the believers in the New Testament were believers simply because they had been shown the grace of God. They had been shown mercy by God, and God had blessed them. The believer's responsibility has always been to respond to the grace of God by living lives that are full of thankfulness and gratitude for the mercy that we all have received from a kind God. Many in Old Testament times turned obedience to God into legalism, and we can do the very same thing in New Testament times. Any act of Christian obedience can very easily be turned into legalism. That is, we feel that because we are doing the right thing, that that gives us a standing before God. And we feel that our prayers should be answered. We, see, we feel that God should bless us because of the good lives that we're living. We're always in need of grace, always in need of mercy. The cure for legalism, for legalism is to see and to keep seeing that Jesus says that without me you can do nothing. In verse 4 of chapter 15, Jesus says, Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. The Lord Jesus Christ is the vine. We get our sustenance from him. We feed off the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we're in fellowship and communion with the Lord Jesus Christ, then there will be that fruitfulness in our lives. Remain in me. Abide in me. I also will abide. I will remain in you in order that you might be fruitful. The Christian's spiritual life is a life in the Lord Jesus Christ. You would have never become a Christian unless God had worked in you. Your response of faith and repentance to God came about because God first worked in your life. And just as we became Christians through what God has done in us, so we continue to grow as Christians as God continues his work in us. Your response of faith and repentance to God came about because God took the initiative. And your growth and development in your Christian life will be because God is continuing to take the initiative to develop his way in our lives. Christianity is not a mere set of teachings or rules or reg regulations. It is a life that is born of God. It is a life that is a branch in the vine. It is a life that is abiding and remaining in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. You see, God the Father is going to tend the vine. He's going to tend to the branches. 
And what God does with those branches is in order that those branches might bear more fruit. And he wants the branches to bear more fruit for his own glory. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. It's good to take stock in our lives. It's good to examine our lives. To see how much fruit is there there for God. We have birth and growth by abiding and remaining in Christ. We draw everything that we need from the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some very ancient vines growing in the gardens of stately homes in this country, and they extend to a couple of hundreds of meters. The last branch producing fruit at the very end of the vine produces its fruit because it is drawing everything from the vine. Every act of Christian grace, every indication of Christian virtue in our lives comes from the fact that we remain in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no spiritual fruit in us where Christ has not instigated that fruit. The strength, the inspiration to make that happen comes from Jesus Christ working in us. In relation to God, Christ is the Son. And in Christ we receive the position of of our sonship. Christ has access to the Father's presence. And through Christ, we too have access. We can come with confidence because the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is accepted by the Father. So we, as sons and daughters of God, are accepted by the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ, because we are remaining in Christ. The Apostle Paul speaks of this as union with the Lord Jesus Christ. In relation to people, Christ is the light of the world, and we have been touched by that light of Christ, and that light of Christ shines through us. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Because you are abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ, because you are living in Christ, then the light that shines from Christ is also the light that shines from us, God's people. Again, in Matthew chapter 5 and 16, Jesus says in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds, that they may see your fruit, and glorify you. That's not what it says. And glorify your Father in heaven. You see, we would like at times for our own reputation to be enhanced, for our own character and to be spoken of by others. But Jesus says, let your light shine before others, that they may see the fruit, the good deeds, so that may glorify your Father in heaven. 
That ought to be our motivation. That ought to be why we do what we do in order that we will glorify God. With regard to Christian character, the living union between Christ and his people results in us becoming more and more Christ-like, identifying with Christ's character, being clothed with his righteousness. And by that righteousness, by Christ's righteousness, we are justified. And by that righteousness, we are sanctified. And because God has done this for us in Christ and we are abiding in Christ, the joy that Christ has is the joy that we share. The oneness between Christ and us is the ground for our forgiveness. It is the ground for our acceptance by God our Father. Isn't it good to know that Christ mediates our prayers? Sometimes we make a right mess of our prayers when we're praying. We don't know what to ask for or how to ask. But Christ also mediates our good works. You see, the thing that we attempt to do, it maybe doesn't turn out right, it backfires on us. The good that we attempt to do gets misunderstood. Or the good that we attempt to do, we somehow end up twisting at ourselves. And it's not as perfect as we would want it to be, but then it is mediated by the Lord Jesus Christ. As Jesus Christ himself said, a cup of water given in my name. And Christ mediates our worship. We're small in number on a Sunday night, so our singing is not as good as it is on a Sunday morning. But our singing is mediated by the Lord Jesus Christ. All that we are that is pleasing to God is what we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. All that we are that is pleasing to God is what we are in Jesus Christ. In every chapter of the letter from Paul to the Philippians, Paul tells us what abiding and remaining in Christ is like. In chapter 1, he says, For me to live is Christ. For me to live my life is Christ. That's what gets him up in the morning. That's what keeps him going through the day. For me to live my life is Christ and to die is gain. In chapter 2 of Philippines, he says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Where would we learn the mind of Christ? We learn the mind of Christ as we look into God's Word, as we see that revealed through God's Word, as we abide in Him, as we remain in Him, as we draw strength from the vine, that vine who is Christ, then we begin to see his mindset, the attitude that Christ has to things, the patience 
that Christ has when dealing with people. The love that the Lord Jesus Christ has. The way he has of thinking of the good and the blessing of others in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ. For to me to live is Christ. And then in chapter 3 of Philippians, Paul says, I want to know Christ. Paul, do you not know him? I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. I want to be more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. To know what it is to experience the power of his resurrection. And then in chapter 4 he said, If this all seems impossible for me to live as Christ, how, how, can that, how can I attain to that? How can I achieve that? How can I have the same mindset as Christ? How can I have that constant desire to want to know Christ more and more? Well, the answer comes in chapter 4. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that brings us back to where we started. Our remaining and abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. These things are possible for me. I can do these things through Christ who gives me strength. I can live my life. For me to live as Christ, I can live like that. I can be like that because Christ gives me strength. I can have that mindset that Christ has because Christ gives me strength. I can experience and know the power of his resurrection working in my life because Christ gives me strength. Where do we draw that strength? How do we get that strength? As a branch, we abide in the vine and we draw our strength from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Some of the footballers, or the football fans on the football terraces, they sing, you'll never walk alone. With the Lord Jesus Christ, we never walk alone. We're never on our own. We don't practice the Christian faith alone. We do it with the Lord Jesus Christ in his strength. That brings us to a thought of God then as the gardener and producing more fruit in us. Because God as gardener deals with our foolish and perverse heart. Just as the Christian spiritual life is in Christ, so this Christian spiritual development is in Christ. This time next year, we ought to be further on in our Christian faith than we are right now. Christ demands not only fruit, but more fruit and much fruit. 
and the continuing work of God in our lives is geared towards the production of more Christian character in our lives. Not only do we learn that Christ is the vine, but the Father is the gardener. He is the vine dresser. In verse 2, it says, The Father cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. The branches that bear no fruit are cut away. Now, there are different views as to what this metaphor means. I suggest that in keeping with the vine metaphor and the explanation given in this passage, that we should understand these branches that bear no fruit as referring to people who have a mere superficial or external adherence to the Lord Jesus Christ. They say that they are Christians, but there is no indication of fruit in their lives. And according to the teaching that Christ gives here, if there is any real union with Christ, then the life of Christ will be flowing in us and through us. And of necessity, there will be fruit. No fruit, then no life. Because the union with Christ is a very real, dynamic, and effective union. If your life is infected by Christ, the symptoms of that union cannot be hidden. All of us ought to allow the challenge of that to hit us. Hit us. Lord, is it I? Do I live like that? Of course, that kind of thought can be discouraging. But the proper outcome ought to drive the true Christian back again to Christ, acknowledging again and again that we need the Savior every moment of every day if we're going to be fruitful to the glory of God. But the pruning knife is not just for dead branches. The surprising thing is that the most fruitful Christians are subject to pruning so that they will produce even more fruit. Perhaps in one sense it is not surprising because we all have read John chapter 15 and we know that this is, that this is the way that it is with God and the Christian. Cannot be surprising and even shocking when we experience, when we feel the pain of the incision operating in our lives. Left to itself, a vine will produce a good deal of unproductive growth for maximum fruitfulness. Extensive pruning is essential. The fruit of Christian service is never the result of allowing our natural energies and talents to to run riot. It's an abiding and remaining in Christ and coming under the providential dealings of God. In the place where I stayed when I was at university in Belfast, one of the other students had a poster on the outside of their bedroom door. A little bewildered cartoon character with the message, God is not finished with me yet. Now that can be comforting 
but it can also be soul-searching that God is not finished working with me and in me, pruning in order that there might be more fruit. That means that God's love is always with us. His grace and mercy are always evident to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. In Lamentations it says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We will be ever grateful, always grateful, for the continuing care of God. But there will be days when the working of God in our lives will, will involve the pruning knife, and it will be painful. God prunes us, he cuts away, he cleanses, removing everything that would prove detrimental to the most fruitful harvest. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you already know something of that pruning process and how painful it can be at times. It can, when it's happening, be a bit hard to understand. Why does God allow such pain to come into my life? Why does God allow such disappointment? This working of the pruning process is hidden in the mysterious hand of God's providence in our lives. Why does God cut where he does? Why does God cut when he does? The inner workings and reasonings are a mystery to us. We must be content to trust in God that he works in us to produce even more fruit. You know, even when something painful is happening in our lives, we're curious and we ask the question, what is God trying to teach me through this? The fact might well be that he's not trying to teach you anything. He might be doing something in you to teach someone else. It's not always about us. We're not always the center of attention. But God is God and we are not. And God has the right to do in us what he wills because he is God. And while we may not understand the why of what is happening or how some good could possibly come of it, yet we have to learn to trust in God. No stroke of the pruning knife will be a stroke too many or a stroke too deep. Let us take care that we do not allow regrets about what God is cutting away to harm us, but to trust God. God might be taking away a habit. He might be taking away an attitude. He might be taking away a bitter spirit. He might be taking away a complaining spirit. He might be taking away a friend. He might be taking away our health. He might be taking away our job. 
There is, of course, a need for God to deal with the negative indwelling sin that remains within us all. But here is a positive dealing with making us more fruitful, a Christian life that produces more fruit through abiding and remaining in Christ as the gardener, the vine dresser, works on the branches in order that he might produce more fruit in us for his own glory. As the weight of that hits us, how can we, with so much sin, so much weakness, ever expect to have a single thing in our lives that God might look upon with approval? Well, he does, because he hides us in Christ. In Christ, he says, we are already clean. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. But it's business as usual with God. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We remain in Christ by continually directing our thoughts, our love, our desire to him. By continuing to submit to the will of God as it is revealed to us through the scriptures. Yielding to be obedient and seeking always to do those things that please the Father, and to do them in the strength of Christ. God still places demands and commands upon our lives. But the blessed news of the gospel is that what God demands of us, he supplies to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that life of obedience will be a fruitful life, only in the measure in which we continue to look to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. Remain in me. Stay in me. Draw from me and produce fruit for the reason to glorify God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we may bear fruit. We thank you, our God, that you, as the vine dresser, have the right to tend to your children. And Lord, sometimes that is a painful thing for us to bear. But Father, we pray that you would help us. Help us to trust in you and to glorify you in what we seek to do for Christ the Savior's sake. Amen. And let's sing.